All right, real quick, people, before we get into today's show, we've just released a new course, Periodization for Periods, all around how to train women around their monthly cycle, and we've got it on special. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes. You are now listening to the Fitness Education Online Podcast, the podcast where fitness professionals go to grow their fitness business. If you're in the fitness industry, you'll find tips and strategies from proven business experts. Now, let's start the show. G'day guys, welcome to the Fitness Education Online podcast, a very special episode today of Bro Science, joined uh, as always with my brother, uh, Craig, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks Trav, uh, excited to be back here and excited to have a, uh, an awesome guest today. Yeah, always great when we get guests and it's always very special if we get a guest who's joining us from another part in the world because we know that they're giving up their time, uh, you know, I, I don't know, is it, is it late night there, early morning there? Uh, just, yeah, morning, eight, 8 o'clock in the morning. So 8 o'clock in the morning, so probably not too bad. Um, but coming from us uh, from the other side of the world, we've got a very special guest. We've got Keegan Smith. Now, if you guys aren't familiar with Keegan Smith, he is uh, heavily involved in the ATG system, uh, is the ATG mentor and one of the coaches of that, that whole system. He is, has been in and around rugby league and professional sports for a long time, working with the Roosters, working over in France with the Catalan Dragons, um, and a whole heap of people in, individually as well, including Sonny Bill Williams, um, and just been in and around the, the training and strength game for a long time. And so we're really looking forward to having a chat and uh, just seeing where it goes today. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for, for joining us. Thanks for having me on. It's good to chat with some guys that know what rugby league is. Yeah. <laughs> in the habit of talking about uh, just saying rugby to save having a second conversation about what rugby league is. The the intricacies of the sports and stuff like that. And I think where I want to probably start though is just your own experience. I mean, I, I don't. I've been reading a little bit about yourself, and um, I read that you were a small guy growing up, and you know, or at least a lighter guy growing up, and wanted to put on weight. You've grown up in a family that's pretty well known um, for rugby league. Obviously, um, was was rugby league what you wanted to do as a as a kid, or was it not really was strength, or what was what was you what did you want to do growing up? Yeah, no, I didn't really see myself working in rugby league. I mean, I was around it a lot. I went to training, you know, with dad from early on in life and, you know, in the dressing rooms and waiting around outside the games. And I love going to the games and I sort of knew all the players and I was just thinking about we collected a lot of the footy cards, you know, with NFTs uh, sort of going wild at the moment. Like (laughs) my brother and I were fanatical with the footy cards for a couple of years and we got them all signed and all that sort of stuff. So, like, I was into it, but... uh, as I got towards sort of uh, the you know high school and and thinking about what I was going to do with my life, I wasn't thinking I was going to be involved in rugby league. I didn't play, and you know I didn't really see any future for myself in it. I didn't really know what I wanted to do at university. Uh, I just sort of stumbled into doing exercise science because I liked sport, and uh, I played hockey. Actually, I wanted yeah. to go to the Olympics for hockey, so. I sort of just did that. My brother was doing it and it was just, it was at Wollongong Uni, which, you know, it, that was the local university. I wasn't really ready to move because I, I wanted to keep pursuing my hockey and, and things. So I stumbled into the university degree. They told us on the first day, you're probably not going to work with sports. And so the, the whole degree, there was no sort of tone of like, you're going to work with elite athletes or elite sports. And I, I wasn't thinking about it. Um, I did stumble into some work experience with the Illawarra Academy of Sport and then I had to do my practicum for uni and, and I went and did that at Parramatta, which was really just the lazy options, if I'm honest. Um, my, my dad was working at Parramatta at the time and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll get my hours done. And then I kind of, I, I enjoyed it and uh, I got on really well with Hayden Knowles, who's gone on yeah. to sort of be a, a legend in the, in the strength world in, in rugby, rugby league especially. Um, Hayden was amazing, like in terms of really showing me what, a strength coach could be like and, and kind of uh, that I guess started me thinking of okay well yeah I could I could actually do this and and I did you know I got some enjoyment out of it I got a lot of personal growth from just being in the environment and uh, but it was very challenging because I, I wasn't really a, a footy guy uh, and it's you know it is a strong cultural environment it's a different you know every sport has its culture and uh I'd been around it, but I wasn't really of it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was a challenge as a young guy when I wasn't I wasn't a big strong guy, 
Um, but I wanted to, uh, you know, I started to work with with young players and and with NRL you know, players and. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know where it was going, but I really just stumbled into it. It wasn't. It wasn't what I was thinking was going to happen. Yeah, interesting. Obviously, I remember reading now that you were a hockey player. Obviously, uh, hockey and league are, are running is still involved. One thing, actually, when from watching the hockey in Tokyo that I was talking to my wife about this, completely off topic of what I was going to talk about, is surely running around bending over with the stick at that sort of uh, you know that level for those taller guys. Surely, it's a, a short person sport, hockey. I would imagine. Well, the reach actually helps with the stick length as well. So there were a lot of really tall, like German and and um, Dutch players that they were kind of really strong hockey nations for quite a while. Um, I think the game's changed a bit with they've changed a lot of the rules, and you you really have to run a lot and you have to be you know pretty fast. So I think it became a shorter man's game more so because of the way they adjusted the rules to make it less stop start. But um, yeah, I haven't haven't been too much in the hockey world for for a while now. I sort of uh, stopped playing at twenty two, twenty three. So that's fifteen years ago now. Yeah. So one one of the things I wanted to ask about was your own personal training journey, because what I'd imagine what you did growing up to what you're doing now and what I see you doing now on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that, I'd imagine there's been a fair evolution into, uh, you know, exercise selection, programming, all that sort of stuff personally. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, uh, you guys probably similar vintage to, to myself. I'm a, I'm yeah. I think we're the same age actually. Yeah, really rude there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, uh, the, I am a little bit younger, younger, but that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there, there wasn't a lot of information. It, w- it was more difficult, at least, to come across information. You know, there was some some books, and uh, you know, Hayden put me onto uh, Mike Boyle's, uh, I think, first book on you know functional strength training, and um, you know, I, I was reading and I was looking at, at, at what was out there back then, and you know, also sort of T Nation and just you know bodybuilding influenced stuff and some you know. Weightlifting was intriguing and interesting, but it was kind of forbidden at that stage to to attempt a, a snatch or a, a clean and jerk without a PhD in strength was was kind of blasphemous. Everyone was sort of warned away from those movements at that stage. But Hayden actually liked using weightlifting, and he was you know using weightlifting within his programs in the in the early two thousands because his background with was athletics, and you know they used those movements through the eighties and nineties, and it never left the athletics culture. Um, so, yeah, I, I was lucky to be exposed to that. Hayden sort of got me, you know, was teaching me how to clean. And uh, there were a few guys at Wollongong Uni that were into their weightlifting and I started to learn those lifts. And, but, yeah, I mean, over the course of the years, I've, I've sort of tried lots of different things. I've been, you know, deep into the bodyweight training world uh, with Coach Summer and Gymnastic Bodies. I spent a bunch of time with him and uh, Ido Portala went and did an internship and, I've taught a lot of sort of gymnastic strength type workshops uh, for a while there. And um, yeah, I've done work with sort of some of the top CrossFit guys and had them come and stay at my place a few years back. And so over the years, I've, I've pretty much given everything a, a run. Um, the common theme <laughs> through it all was I would always overdo uh, tension or overdo intensity and, and flare up tendons. And I was prone to tendon issues. I think my first tendon issue was about 10 years old. Uh, I had the the one in the heel, uh, the like the the growth plate issue uh, that you Severs, can get. Severs disease. Severs is the one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I sometimes call it Schumann's, but that's the back one. That's the back but one. Uh, yeah, I had the Severs thing, and then uh, Osgood yeah. slatters, and all all that stuff. Yeah. So from from ten until um, you know all the way through, I, I was battling on and off with overuse injuries, like partly because I'm a bit obsessive and I would train want to train more than everyone else and. Um, probably some health stuff as well, gut issues and, and things like that. But I didn't really know why, but I, I sort of always was on the brink of, of injuries, tendon injuries um, all through the body. So that was the common theme was I loved strength. I loved, you know, developing it gradually, you know, started to develop a, a little bit more muscle. I sort of thought for a long time, I just wasn't going to put on any muscle no matter what I did. Um, cause it seemed to be a very slow process, but I didn't really know what I was doing, uh, with, with, uh, different aspects of training and nutrition. So looking back, I could have done a lot better, a lot sooner. Um, 
And the biggest thing is, is probably, you know, why I was so excited about uh, seeing Ben Patrick and seeing ATG in 2018, you know, when I was running Real Movement, uh, just looking at it and saying, oh, someone's finally cracked this code because I'd sort of been working on well, what, how do you solve tendon issues? And I knew that Charles Poliquin had some stuff there that people didn't really understand. And I could see some of his students sort of doing it in different ways, but I, I couldn't I couldn't decode it. I didn't know what the underlying formula was for it. And then I saw what Ben was doing and, and I'd been playing around with different ideas. And I was like, yeah, this is this is the real deal. So uh, finding that has been the biggest moment in my, my training career, like all the different ways of whether you're weightlifting or gymnastics or whatever, it's none of it's fun if the tissues aren't working properly. So like there's this unifying underpinning theory that uh, that's been the biggest change, you know? Yeah, well, we grew up in a gymnastics sort of family. So our okay. our eldest brother was, uh, was he him? Do you know, Craig? Ten times, he, state uh, nine times. Or... I think he, I think he smushed his foot. No, he went to the nationals. Nationals, for nine years, yeah, yeah. 10. Like so he was, he was quite great. an elite level gymnast, and he's won the the masters and stuff like that. In in yeah, well. as an older older gentleman, not you know <laughs> standard, not do gymnastics for the for twelve months or whatever, and then trains for a month leading into masters and goes and does his flips and wins it and comes home very sore and does it again 12 months later. He hasn't done it for a few years now. I think it's been two or three years since he since he did it and, and won it, but there's I not many. definitely needs to do a bit of uh, tendon work before he got back out to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he's 40. Well, how old's, how old's Duncan Craig? 42? Yep. Yeah, so he would have been yep. 40, you know. So, yep. so that's what, you know, for us growing up doing gymnastics and stuff like that and seeing, for me, seeing the way you're moving and you're balancing and, and stuff like that at, you know, at 37 and something that you – Again, from all my reading, and evidently you you didn't do it growing up. My brother, you know, I was doing gymnastics from the time I was two, and I did it for about twenty years, right? So, you know, you have someone who's obviously learnt that skill later, uh, which is crazy impressive. And and one of the things that I was going to touch on is is some of that tendon stuff. And the first time I ever heard, and and like connective stuff, and the first time I ever heard about that was which with Coach Summer. He speaks about that a lot with their program with gymnastics bodies. Yeah. Yeah, he he definitely does, and he there's there's stuff there that he's onto that uh, that makes sense. I mean, one of the things that he had us do was uh, fifty calf raises, just standing calf raises with the toes pointing in, and then with the toes pointing straight, and then with the toes pointing out. And he said that it was a method that the Bulgarian gymnastics coach, a Bulgarian gymnastics coach, taught him, uh, and it was designed to bring. Uh, health back into the Achilles tendon and he said that uh, that coach had talked about autopsies on people with chronic uh, tendon issues and showing that the tendon was actually kind of gangrenous like it had like gunk and you know stuff in it and so that the idea with that was to pump fluid through the area um, and to, to heal it so yeah, that now looking at that, like that is kind of a short range exercise where you don't stretch the tendon very much. And, and that's really how we start things in the ATG sequence is to start from short range where there's less stretch on the connective tissue towards long range where the connective tissue stretches more. It's a very simple concept once you understand it, but it's like I hadn't heard about it and didn't know how it worked for the first uh, 20 years that I was sort of training and, uh, you know, uh, well, from from my first injury, that's when I probably sometime before that I should have started to uh, yeah to prepare to not have those issues or to to recover from them. So yeah, there's in gymnastics, I guess you're forced to look at it. I think when you start doing planches and things like that, or you know the iron cross, which I haven't done, but you know you know that there's potential for things to pop, um, and 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 so you are forced into thinking more about the connective tissue rather than just thinking about the muscle, which you can kind of get away with not, not developing these concepts when you just, you know, bodybuilding training or even traditional weight training, like gymnastics forces you to, to look more at, you know, the different structures there and how they, their adaptive times and those sorts of things. So I would have assumed, so in your earlier days of sort of training and, and when you're doing your internship around the sporting world, I, I assume the only time you heard people talking about, uh, you know, tendon injuries and tendon loading stuff was when they had sort of injuries and when they were in sort of a rehab phase. Because um, it's, it's and, and one of the things that we're sort of trying to move forward 
towards, and I work in a, um, in a, I'm actually an army doctor usually, so I work in a sort of military sphere, is a lot of that sort of prehab type of approach and, and trying to integrate um, that sort of protective exercise model to preventing things before they flare up. Uh, so it is really interesting, like looking into a lot of your a lot of your content and and looking at the the way you approach things. Actually, trying to to get appropriate load into these connective uh, tissue structures to promote them to to form in a healthy way. Because that's that's an interesting thing. Like really common, we're dealing with lots of Achilles issues and lots of that sort of stuff. And um, you know the the evidence is really all about reloading those tendons and getting those getting those tendon uh, structures. Uh, back into a linear fashion because as you sort of said in that example in the autopsy like when when your tendons dysfunctional and unhealthy you go from having nice straight well-structured fibers to having a, a mishmash of unhealthy tissue and random little blood vessels going into there to try and um, uh, to heal to 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 stimulate healing and all that sort of stuff so um yeah no it's really good to see the sort of more holistic approach where you're trying to actually load those tendons before rather than just doing in a rehab fashion is it accurate that you probably only really saw this stuff in injury sort of areas or you just didn't really see it at all let's take a quick break when it comes to influencer marketing there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist the influence factor by the influencer marketing factory they talk about influencer marketing social media the creator economy social commerce and much much more they cover all aspects including the creator economy social commerce the latest trends the metaverse tiktok trends and that's just the beginning the influence factor by the influencer marketing factory add the podcast to your playlist right now now uh prehab was always there um yeah. you know it was uh Parramatta, prehab was was a big thing like that was really the first club that i was involved in every club that i've worked with has had sort of prehab the difference is just the understanding of what what prevents the, the tendon injuries and the muscle injuries and you know even still if you look at the hamstring research and guys you know talking about the it's all about the fascicle length and all about the nordic and you know i i worked with a high profile australian athlete this year who has had multiple hamstring issues and i asked him if he could touch his toes and he said no and you know he was all go according to phd scientists and the guys who were doing the research in terms of his his fascicle length and his strength but he couldn't touch his toes and when he could touch his toes then he went and played all year and didn't have any any issues where you know it's going to cost him millions of dollars if he kept fucking it up um and you know so it's not it's not that people haven't been trying to prevent injuries it's not mm. that prehab didn't exist or we didn't have a holistic approach it's just that we didn't understand the physics of it well enough and it's it's sort of coming out now in the muscle growth research if you look at like some of the again it's like recent stuff and it's just um so you can create more muscle growth if you cause more damage right it's it's obvious that we're chasing muscle damage to stimulate hypertrophy like that's one of the key factors is damaging the tissue the tension that's you know we've talked about time under tension those sorts of things but it's really the quality of tension and if if there's a bunch of bleeding caused inside of the muscle then we're going to get some attempt from the body to prepare itself so that next time it doesn't bleed so much. So next time it doesn't get so much damage. Like it's, that stuff is fairly well understood for some reason. We just haven't understood that if the tissue is already under stretch, when you load it with external load or when you contract the muscle, then that's going to cause more damage to the muscle than if it's not under stretch. So this is the short and long range kind of concept. And it has to be applied to understand strength training. Like it's, it, this is an underpinning that it, it's not spoken about. It's not accepted yet. Um, the long range concept is now like in the research and people always DM me when the research stuff, you know, new, something new gets published, but they don't, they don't explain it as that. They explain it as full range of motion. And it's not full range of motion because you can do full range of motion. Like, do you guys know what a spider curl is? Like if you're sort of leaning forward into the bench and you, and and you curl. The, yeah, yeah. So, so the, like the hardest part of the movement is when it's, when it's in here close to the body. 
right? Yeah. So the muscle is not under length, but you can use heavy weight. So you can, you can create tension, but there's no stretch there. Where the reverse would be when you're back in one of those like pelican type positions or the back lever, where, the where there's a, a ton of tension and already feels like it's ready to pop. When you maximally contract the muscle in that lengthened position, or you, or you move into that position with load, you're going to cause a lot more hypertrophy. You're also going to cause relatively much more tendon adaptation because the tendon is already under stretch and stress. So when you do the spider curls, you don't have tension, much tension on the, the tendon. You don't have that resting tension on the tendon. So it's, it's a completely different training effect that is, it's not about full range because you can do full range spider curls. But the thing is when, when you're, you're leaning into the bench and your arms down straight, no, if I show you, I don't know if you're putting this on YouTube or not, but if, you, if, you're, uh, if your arm's down straight, you're leaning into the bench, this is the hard part, right? The hard part's mm. up here. This is, this is where the, so it's a short range exercise. And people understand this passive insufficiency stuff. We just haven't spoken about when you train like this, you get relatively more muscle adaptation and you can bring a lot of circulation to the area without challenging the tendon a lot. Um, and it's not because it's full range of motion because you can you do straighten the elbow in that movement. It just doesn't mean shit that you straighten the elbow because the bottom part of the movement is relatively unloaded. So mm. it matters about the strength curve of, of the exercise as well. But for someone listening to this or a coach listening to this, it's, it's really simple of like, is the muscle under stretch while you're contracting it? If, like when you're doing an RDL, you're going to cause a lot more remodeling than with the Nordic curl because you're under stretch at the same time. So you're going to get more connective tissue deposited into the muscle. Now, you know, I don't, I don't care to really look at the research uh, too much in terms of like, you know, has this been proven? How many studies say yes? How many studies say no? It's going to come out that you get more connective tissue deposited in the muscle with long range strength because the body's not stupid. If, if you're stretching the muscle, the muscle has to respond of like, oh, okay, this, this body is, is continuing to do this thing. And if, if we're not really good at this, we, it's going to snap. We're going to tear the muscle and we're going to die. We're going to get eaten by the lion because we can't run away. Mm. So it's, it's an adaptive process that's just really intuitive once you, once you look at it. The tendon is going to be relatively more challenged with those high stretch RDL type movements. So the tendon is going to become uh, stronger. It's going to have more adaptation than if, for example, we do a, a, a lying hamstring curl um, or a kneeling hamstring curl, which is more of like an inner range strength exercise. Now, Charles Poliquin played around with all of this stuff and it was clear within his programs that he was manipulating the strength curve and the, you know, he, he, he was using this, this theory, but it wasn't something that was explained. Like I went to a bunch of his workshops and I've know dozens of coaches who, who did his stuff. It wasn't explained and I'm not sure if it was as systematically applied as it is, you know, within uh, the ATG program. But when I saw Ben had done this for the knees, I was like, oh, like you're getting results that other people aren't getting because you solved this thing that no one else has ever. So it's, it's not just, so you need to know short and long, but then you sequence those movements. So what I saw with him, what he was doing was like he'd sequenced it where the program started with the short range concentric only so we know that concentric only causes the least amount of, of stress and adaptation, um, but it's going to bring a lot of blood flow. So we're doing short range concentric only first with the reverse sleds, which he's like a, a huge fan of. And he didn't invent the reverse sled, but he's the guy who put it there in the sequence. It's like you don't have to invent the cake to be a Michelin three-star chef. It's it's the, the way that you put it together is whether you, you know, you're making a crappy cake or you're world-class in terms of your cake. So, what, what he did was like, oh, you know, you got to put that stuff first and then you go into step ups and then you go into um, some mid range type stuff with either the split squat or the squat. And then you go into something like the reverse Nordic, uh, which was partly, you know, all the way through, we've been going backwards and forwards on what needs to be there and why it needs to be there. Something like the reverse Nordic now you can see by looking at it, it's like, okay, yeah, that's going to cause a lot of connective tissue adaptation. That's going to cause a lot of uh, stress on, on the muscle, remodeling, bleeding, etc. So, So there you're talking strictly around the sequencing of the exercises, right? So for me, with my, you know, limited knowledge around a lot of the sled stuff is I go to someone like Dan John or someone like, uh, you know, Louis Simmons, Westside Barber. I know you've spoken about Louis Simmons in the past on other things where the sled is like this supplementary conditioning tool that's usually thrown in at the end as a bit of a, I wouldn't say an afterthought, but it's a bit of a, 
let's throw it in at the end. Let's get some conditioning. Let's get the lungs blowing out. Uh, whereas with the ATG system, it's usually done very first within the sequence. Louis, Louis that- uses it first as well. Um, he will talk about what, like, he's, I'm sure he's done a lot of things over the years. He's, he's had some time to train, but I, I have heard about him doing it before. Uh, like a, you do the sleds, come in and deadlift, like straight into, and like I've, I've heard about that sort of approach. Nothing, none of this is new. It's, it's what's different is the way it's understood and explained. And if, when you understand it and apply it like this, you just get results that you didn't get before. And it's no, it's no longer a mystery. It's, it's not like, it's not like the hammer's a new thing, but if you use the hammer and you can consistently, you know, get a result where, that you couldn't get before, then, then that's, um, it's an important thing to know about a hammer. So it's, it's like none of the, the exercises aren't new. Um, nothing's really new. The, the thing is that when you understand it differently, then you use it differently and you get different results and it's, you know, it's, so yeah, you started to drop. So when we're talking results, what are we talking less injuries? We're talking quicker recovery. We're talking better performance athletically. What, what is uh, the, the, you know, I suppose the definition there of, of results. Let's take a quick break. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Yeah. For Charles, I think it was that you could make athletes stronger, faster. You could add muscle mass to athletes faster because you knew which were the anabolic exercises and which were not the anabolic exercises. Just because you do 10 sets of 10 on biceps doesn't mean you're going to have the same amount of muscle growth if you choose an anabolic exercise versus a, a, a neural dominant exercise that's not anabolic. You're going to get a different result. The short range exercises are neurologically dominant. You use them for higher reps they're not very anabolic. The, the long range exercises are highly anabolic because you cause a lot of inflammation and damage uh, to the cells. So you can make someone stronger, faster. Um, you can, if you do happen to go too hard with, you know, doing plyometrics and things like that, like a lot of coaches will just stay away from doing plyometrics because it's too much of a hassle if you mess it up because you don't want to give an athlete a little an annoyance in a tendon, which can easily hang around for, for years and change a career, you know? So, um, coaches will shy away from doing super high tension exercises and really developing the tendons because it's, there's too much risk. It's, you know, in, in for rugby and rugby league, I think you know you'd see you'd hear a lot of coaches will, will say that they you know they're very tentative about them or they don't use them because of those reasons. Um, some programs do and um, they do it successfully, but it's it's a, it's a double edged sword. So, but in terms of results, yeah, like. You only have to see like it's it's a it's a user led revolution the ATG stuff like it's the athletes and people who've spent tens of thousands of dollars and on you know surgeries and and uh, interventions and and years and years of frustration like they're the reason ATG is changing the way the world trains like it's the most for every person that's doing ATG online there's probably you know ten or twenty other people that are using the program um and yeah the strength training world is is going to wait for the research to an extent uh and and the athletes and some coaches especially the coaches who've had issues themselves and they solve those issues like i get the message all the time from coaches like i had this tricep thing for five years and now i just apply, apply this logic and it's gone like thanks um and it's just it's not because they weren't training triceps. It's not because they didn't try and fix it. They were, they were, you know, they were training the triceps the whole time. They were still bench pressing. Um, they just didn't understand. You have to go short range, concentric, dominant into mid range, into longer range, and you know, using using the super high reps. Like Louis Simmons was doing a lot of this stuff. It just wasn't uh, explained or understood in this way. And you, you can, to an extent, get the result. Um, just by doing super high reps like that in itself is like 
huge, whether you think about it as short and long range uh, or not. The thing with Louis was like the goal was to do powerlifting and so long range and extreme long range wasn't so important. Where for gymnastics, you have to have the extreme long range strength. You have to be able to hold yourself together under uh, extreme you know, uh, tension, length, length of the muscles. So, you know, he didn't have to explore that quite as much. Obviously, anabolics then play a part as well, whether whether you can get maximal hypertrophy without going into long range. If you look at someone like Tom Platt's best legs ever, extreme long range was a, was a big part of uh, what he was doing. You know, anabolics there for sure, but, um, well, I don't know, for sure, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's probably um, a good, good uh, assumption. Potentially. But if all the other guys use them as well, like he, he was using more of that extreme yeah. long range. If you look at Arnold and his pecs and you, you watch, you know, the, the go back to the pumping iron, he had great range in his, in his chest, in his pecs, and he had, you know, huge pec development. So, um, yeah, you know, Vince Gironda was a huge influence on Charles Poliquin, a, a master of choosing exactly the exercise that was going to get the result that you wanted. And you can see, these, these things are there. It just wasn't understood as a universal theory of, oh, okay, this is how it works and it works for every muscle and it works for every, you know, tendon issue, muscle injury. Um, you just, it, once, once you see it, then you can't, you can't unsee it and you, you'll, you'll see it in every training program and every, you know, every issue that you come across. Um, yeah, it's, um, you are, you are going to see the, like the results are in the testimonials and the results are in, yeah, this thing bothered me for a long time. Like I'm working on the one-arm chin and freestanding handstand push-ups at the moment. The, the only reason I haven't been able to nail these movements is because I always get a, a tendon issue because they're near my maximal strength. Then, and, and I like I'll, they tend to respond well to frequency as well. And they have the, like, they have a skill component to them, but if you're going at that stuff, that's like 90% plus intensity with frequency, then it's a, you know, uh, you're asking for trouble now with being able to include some short range work with it, touch wood, like, you know, so folks, it's going really well. Um, no, no issues because I always do some short range stuff before I, I do the, you know, and I, and I just get more pump into the muscle. Like just, just the high reps um, has, allowed me to get like, I'm at the best I've ever been in, in freestanding handstand pushups um, in, in, yeah, in, uh, in a relatively, it's, it's only, I've only been focusing on them again this month. Um, but yeah, the, the coolest thing about it is that I don't have like a niggle in my elbow or a niggle in my shoulder where in the past I just push through it and just be like, whatever, it's part of the, part of the game of strength training, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. And, and I think that's, that's what we, we want to change and what is changing. Well, that's, that's one of the things I want to chat a little bit about is is within the ATG system, uh, you know, like those who haven't seen it on YouTube, knees over toes guy and yourself on YouTube as well. To me, like, I don't know, I'm just like the algorithms hit me and it's just everywhere all over my, all over my YouTube, that's for sure. One of the things that I, I've been sort of seeing and playing around with it is like, and yourself and Ben are obviously in phenomenal shape, right? Like super lean very muscular, um, like a lean muscular appearance sort of thing. When I look at the program in my head, I'm a bit of a meathead. So, but when I look at the program in my head, I look at it and go like, they're all very prehab. Like, okay, this is what I'm going to do to warm up before I do the big thing, you know? Um, how much of that, I, I assume that's probably not the case. I assume like what you see on YouTube is the program essentially. Um, or is it like, oh, well, this is only the, you know, this is the 20 minute warm up, and then we go and squat for 40 minutes. Uh, there are squats in the program and mm. most people who try to piece it together off YouTube, especially if they don't understand the short long range stuff, are going to mess it up. Mm. And a lot of people do mess it up and they say like, oh yeah, I've been doing, you know, ATG, but I've, I've got this issue with my X, Y, Z. And then I ask, you know, have you actually done it? And then like, nah, I've just been, you know, piecing it together. And the thing is like, if you just pull out the most aggressive joint exercises and you just like, oh yeah, my muscles can do this. So I guess that means I can smash away. Like if you look at the Peterson step up, um, it's a joint exercise. It's not for the muscle, it's for the joint. Hmm. And if you just go as hard as your muscles can go, then you might tear the joint to shit because it's not, 
meant to be, oh, how much weight can you lift on this? It doesn't matter what your muscle can do. It matters what your joint can handle. And this is, again, is like kind of new terminology. Like when did you ever hear someone talk to you about strength training like that of, you know, it's, it's sort of logical of like, oh, the joint hurts, we should stop. Like, yeah, coaches would say that. But have you ever identified a, a, uh, an exercise as like, yeah, this is a joint dominant exercise. We don't really care what the muscle can do. We don't care how much weight you can lift. We want to be watching the sensation in the joint. And if the joint capacity exceeds the muscle capacity, then yeah, we need to talk about the muscle. But if the muscle capacity exceeds the joint capacity, which is pretty much always the case in the Peterson, then you push it to maximum muscle capacity and you're opening the door for an ACL injury because you're putting more strain into that tissue. Like it's, that was what the Peterson step up was invented for was to prevent ACL injuries in downhill skiers. It was extremely effective. It was developed by a physical therapist, but you got to know what you, what you're actually training. And that's why if you just go and try and piece things together off YouTube, like it will work for some people and it won't work for others. And, you know, it's, it can be quite catastrophic if it doesn't work, if you, if you really mess up what you're doing because you have no idea, you know, how it works. It's, it's like you, you wouldn't just go and build a bridge, um, you know, to your house on, under your own, uh, you, you know, this will probably work, and then you drive a truck over it. And, you know, like in engineering, things have to work, where in strength training we've sort of been allowed to mix and match things and just like, oh, yeah, probably it's okay. Um, but we need to, you know, if we understand better what we're actually doing and then maybe we can have more consistent results. And I think that's, that's what we're attempting to do. That's what I'm attempting to do with this terminology. It's not that there's the new exercises, but if you think about it in a different way and you use it in a different way in the construction of of a program and and building a muscle, then, you know, you can, you can get a different result. Um, So yeah, as far as uh, is it, is the small stuff the big stuff? Like in a, in a large way, it is. Like ATG is about building strength from the ground up. Um, in in terms of you know knee ability and, and Ben's programs, that's that's really what it is for me. You can use it for kayak, and you know not train the legs hardly at all. I imagine kayakers don't train the legs that much, and you would use you could use all the same principles and you could be training ATG and only training upper body, you know, someone who's in a wheelchair, Mm. like they could be using ATG principles and it could be very distinctively and clearly ATG programming and training um, that doesn't even train legs, you know, uh, in, in my mind, like it's, it's the principles of understanding the short to long, the sequencing, um, the progressive tension. So you go from reverse sleds to eventually um, dunking or sprinting. You know, so the, 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 yeah, the sprinting is kind of uh, a little bit longer range. So that's why you get more, you don't really get quad injuries when you jump uh, because it's more of a short range position where you get hamstring injuries because the knee is straight. So the hamstrings under some tension, it's not under a full stretch. Um, but um, yes, do you, you know, People use ATG before they go and do, you know, there's been guys, a guy, one of the guys uh, squatted a thousand pounds for the first time after he'd been doing ATG because his knee stopped bothering him and he was squatting like 875 or something. He wasn't like he was, you know, his second workout on ATG and he squatted a thousand pounds. But he he um, he did this, did this, did the split squats, got his knee, you know, feeling better and squatted a thousand pounds for the first time. It's ATG works well as a supplement. You know, you can definitely use it as like, I'm going to do this stuff before I go and do um, other stuff. It's not attempting to be a sport in itself, you know, in the way that CrossFit or powerlifting or bodybuilding or these, these things are, are sports. Um, but it can also be standalone, especially if you want to go, you know, play sports. If you want to go run and jump, then just just do this and you don't actually need to squat, bench, deadlift, um, to to be able to move pain free through life and and be well prepared for for athletic endeavors, um, there there are some squats in the programs and you know the dips and chins, and I think people assume because Ben isn't a big guy that you know you couldn't you couldn't develop size on it. Some of the guys have got massive legs and I've seen them blow up over the you know the time they've oh, been yeah. training the program. Like it is a good leg hypertrophy program. 
most of the guys don't push the, the upper body very hard because they want to fly and it doesn't make sense to have a big upper body if, if you want to dunk. Um, you know, high jumpers just don't hypertrophy. You know, it's, it's not conducive to be heavy if you want to jump. <laughs> not, yeah, not, not maximally, you know, like NFL, there's NFL wide receivers and whatnot that can jump really well. Like it's not like you can't jump well if you have good upper body development, but if you're looking for that last, you know, 5%, then you don't want exercise in upper body. So this is probably a bad question based on what you've just said there about not bastardizing it off, off YouTube. But with that in mind, like I've seen a video that you spoke about previously, and we might link it in the show notes rather than go over it here about what things you would do differently if you were back in like a you know strength and conditioning role with an NRL club. But with that in mind, let's say, let's just talk about everyday athletes because that's what this I mean, obviously it caters for everybody from the sounds of it, but anyone who's listening today as a personal trainer, obviously we'll, we'll give you the, you know, like where they can go to study and learn more, but what are some things that you think people should look to be including in their program? Are there any things that you're like universally that needs to be in someone's program or? Let's take a quick break. Hey, Bar & Grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-hosts sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar & Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! to me it's not about the it's not about the movements it's about these principles you know if you understand what i'm talking about with the short and long then that 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 changes everything the next concept to understand after short and long is tension so just because you're training with a 10 kilo dumbbell doesn't mean you're training with 10 kilos worth it. like it doesn't mean anything to the muscle the muscle only knows awesome, yeah. what happens in terms of tension so if you drop it and catch it it's going to be very different in terms of the stimulus to if you very slowly lower it down and very slowly lift it up. If you drop it to the midpoint and then lift it back up as violently as you can, you know, if you, if, if you, if you drop it and catch, lift it back up, then, then 10 kilos can be extreme loading. And, you know, um, if you do that in a long range position, then you, you may well be able to get someone to tear their biceps and need it to be, you know, surgically repaired with the 10 kilo weight. Uh, often I'll have people do like lying bench curls. I have NRL players and guys like, you know, big muscly guys do lying bench curls, you know, laying, laying back on a, on like a bench press, but um, generally elevated or depends how you, know, you can do it on the incline bench. These guys would curl 20, 25 kilo dumbbells, like, you know, fine. You give them the five kilo dumbbells and they're like, the, the face is like telling the story of like, oh shit, something's about to pop. Um, you give them the 15 kilo dumbbells and it's just like unbearably painful for them to, to do the lying bench curls because of the, all the, of the leverage and the, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the fascia, the connective tissue, the muscle, everything is just going to, you know, the tension is, is something that they can't, can't handle. So um, the short and long is, is how you, you're playing with the connective tissue tension and you're playing with the dominance of the adaptation therefore. So if it's short range and then it's going to be muscle dominant, it's not going to be, it's not going to develop as much connective tissue as if you use the long range stuff, which is going to develop more connective tissue. But then it's also true that if the more, the more speed that you use, the, the higher the, the tension is going to be. And therefore the more connective tissue dominant it's going to be. So when you train high jump, you get some muscle development, but you get relatively a lot more connective tissue development than if someone goes and does super slow tempo calf raises to develop their calf. Like you'll see, big calves on, on high jumpers um, and dunkers, you'll see solid calves, but the way that they've built them will be more connective tissue biased. So we want to progress towards being able to handle more tension. Firstly, we can do that with short to long, but then we can also do that with adjusting the repetition types. Um, so yeah, that is kind of probably the, the next key concept to understand for athletes. Now, the reason we get away with not thinking about this sort of stuff to an extent is because the sports will give us that. 
and you know if the, if you're wrestling with people then you get it somewhat for the upper body as well for like the footy guys um but if if someone is just only training in the gym and they're not doing any of the long range stuff and they're not doing any higher speed stuff then it's no surprise that they go and pop something as soon as they get into the real world and and put some tissue put some tension into the tissues and there's no there's no preparation for that so it's not about any one exercise like it's better to understand this across across the whole body um understanding like getting a lot of blood flow into an area is powerful uh, for healing so yes, yes you can use the uh the flossing and, and that sort of stuff but the, the main thing is to get lots of blood into the area if you, if you want it to heal so like they're, they're probably you know three key things that a coach could take away from listening to this today it's like really just get the idea of like short and long like is the muscle under stretch or is it under the opposite of what would be stretched for this muscle um, and you know the body's complicated you can have two joint stretch one joint stretch some muscles cross two joints some muscles don't um, knowing the functional anatomy helps but even without getting too wacky about like the exact details of everything just knowing oh yeah like there's there's clearly stretch here or there's there's not much stretch is a huge change and then yeah if you think about just bringing a lot of blood flow to any area that's annoyed like that in itself like without even choosing the right exercises or the best exercises just bringing a lot of blood flow into an area um, getting a pump um, the high rep work can can be it heals a lot of things uh, a lot faster and you, you know you can avoid taking different medications and you know icing things and getting a lot of therapy uh, just simply through through understanding the you know using the high blood flow and then if we progress tension in the atg system most of the guys and for ben it's it's dunking right so it, it ends up with these extreme high tension uh exercises but it can sometimes be missed from the system because it's not in the gym but it doesn't matter whether the tension is created in the gym or the tension is created on the training field uh, it's like people say footy players are naturally strong. They're not naturally strong. They're just being strength training on the field. They're being mm. bashing each other, carrying each other, wrestling each other. So when they're 16, 17, 18, they've never been in the gym before. They're not naturally strong. They're just strength trained with uncommon influence. Yeah, with a different uh, input. Yeah. So if we can recognize that, then we understand training better. And then we can see, okay, well, yeah, the sport's filling in these gaps and this is, but if they're not playing their sport because they're injured, then that's what we need to get them back to. And again, you know, if we go back to the rehab type stuff, Craig and prehab, you're not going to prevent injury with stuff that doesn't have super high tension because on the field, it's going to be super high tension. And most of the prehab stuff is low weights and low speed. So, you know, it's, it's not great prehab. Like strength training has always been better prehab than prehab because it's higher tension. And so therefore it's, it's preparing the tissues better. We just didn't understand that we needed to get to long range and that we needed to, you know, consider um, continually progressing the speed. Um, like it's, it's just systemizing this, systemizing the thinking around it. And people much smarter than me are going to, break it down into models and, and quantify the loads. And, it, you know, it can get infinitely complex in the details, but there's a simplicity of the, of the concept as well that anyone can go and apply that doesn't need you. You don't need to be a strength and conditioning coach to understand what I'm talking about today. I, I don't think, um, I, I know a lot of guys have, have just got it after watching the videos and they're like, yeah, okay, I, I get it and I'm, I'm doing it and it works now. So um, yeah, to me that, that stuff is bigger than um, you need to do X, Y, exercise like there's no there's no one exercise yeah fair enough like yeah so often it's there's no you know in the medical field if there was one solution to these things we wouldn't have so many options on the market so it's all about getting that getting that that dynamic answer and, and obviously stuff to to fit the individual it's so good to hear talking about structures other than just you know building muscle and the importance of strengthening those connective tissues because so much of the injury stuff that we deal with once they end up in the sort of medical world is all around those structures uh, and we've sort of um, we've spoken about this before on the podcast with Travis that like over time and that experience and, and playing sports and training over time is what helps to develop that tendon and connective tissue strength but being able to actually isolate it and train it um, is is really awesome and, and obviously stuff that's been 
done previously, but being able to sort of put a put a label on it, make a make a a, a systematic approach to it um, is great. And hopefully, you'll put me out of business. This is um, this is good stuff. Well, one thing before before we sort of head to sign off that I've been wanting to ask you because I've seen it on your Instagram and it's it is outside of the strength world is and if, hopefully we've got a little bit of time juggling. I see that you you play around with a bit of juggling and you play around with uh, a bit of that. What can I ask? Is there a brief answer to to some of the benefits of, of juggling and and why people should be doing it? Uh, I can go on for a while, as you, as you probably <laughs> noticed already. But there are a lot of reasons why I like it. The the one I like the reason I like it most is probably because it's uncomfortable for people and they don't want to do it and they think they can't do it. And then after a few minutes, they realize that, okay, like I'm, I'm progressing quite a lot here. And then within, you know, within a short period of time, they reach a level of mastery and it's, you know, Ido Portal said, you know, try not liking something that you're good at. And often athletes forget that they weren't always good at what they, they're good at. And so if you can reintroduce the concept of, hey, like in 10 minutes, you can go from being hopeless with this and being demoralized by it to actually being okay at it. Like what else, you know, where in your game could you just add a big piece to your game? Because, you know, with 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 10 minutes of focused work, it's often not that easy. But if, if you get that mind uh, ability, if you get that flexibility of mind of like whatever I need to add to my game, I'm just going to work on it until I've got it. You know, I had these kind of conversations with Sonny Bill in 2016. He came and did a camp at my house. And, you know, this stuff underpins everything that we do. Like we talk about it, but it's also like just there in, in what we do. Uh, and we, we talked about him adding a kick to his game and he kicked for tries, you know, in, in rugby games that next year. And I think he had a couple of stinkers as well. You know, like that, that's Sonny. Like he's, you know, he's got the confidence to go after things. And yeah, he, he you know, he went and kicked for tries in 2017 um, because we were kicking the juggling balls and we opened the conversation of, you know, what if you could? And he just started kicking after practice. And, uh, you know, I think he got some pushback from other players and coaches and, and whatnot, but he ended up kicking for tries in games. And, you know, if, if it wasn't already scary enough to have Sonny Bill running at you with his offload and his, you know, his footwork and his vision in the short ball and he added the long ball, and the, and the then he added the kick as well. Kilos. So, you know, good, good luck. Um, and, and, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest thing. But you know, there are big benefits in terms of um, coordinating the left and right brain, uh, becoming just it's 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 proven to increase the you know white cell and gray cell um, density in in the brain. So it's one of the most proven things neurologically to to improve the brain. Um, and yeah, it's it's like a really quick win, and and it helps to build rapport also with people if you can if you're the one to teach them something new and they've got that for the rest of their life like there's there's, there's something there so there, there are a lot of different reasons why i like it and uh you know i the labels the, the more we can get rid of the labels the better the world will be like if, if we get rid of the label of being a strength coach and just be someone who develops the physical capacities of, of someone or be someone who improves the, the lives of, of the people that they work with. Like the best coaches are doing, uh, they're doing a lot more than being strength coaches. You know, you know there's, there's guys who are doing amazing work with, you know, blood work and, and psychology stuff and helping people to improve their relationships and, and, and all sorts of things that are happening in the world of kind of personal training. And, and the, the labels can really hold us back from, doing what we, we're capable of doing. So, uh, yeah, juggling can also open up that thing of like, mm. you know, what else are you scared of doing that you, you know, that, what else do you not do because you're worried other people are going to laugh at you? And, you know, what else would you do if you knew that you could learn really quickly? And, you know, all these kind of conversations is, I think, big part of why people that, you know, I've been able to inspire some people to do things that they weren't doing before. You know, all these kind of conversations are what we would have at the, training camps and things that are run, whether it's with athletes or with coaches and people just tend to reflect on things and just maybe find an extra five or 10% of new ideas and creativity and new thought. And juggling is a great symbol of that. The handstand is a more enduring, uh, injurious one. You know, it's, it, it, you tend to get niggles in your wrists. It's very uncomfortable. It's a bit scary to start with. So it's like a, 
a higher buy-in and it's much slower than the juggling, but it's also like a tool for mental transformation. Like when you go through the physical transformation, you have a mental, a mental shift as well. So one of the things that I like, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to pat myself on the back here because I, I started juggling when I was a kid uh, with cricket. And when we were just on the side waiting to bat or whatever, <laughs> I started juggling cricket balls out of, uh, you know, out a bit of boredom, just, just, yeah, and then I start juggling cricket balls. And that's sort of where I started juggling and having a bit of fun with it. But one of the things that um, I think trainers can do as a really effective tool, I've never thought about the aspect of juggling, but now I think it's probably an excellent idea because of other benefits, is is the idea when a, when a client comes in is to get them to do an activity that is like requires 100% focus. Um, and I've seen the ones where it's like, you know, get a little bit of dowel and like try and walk through a, a maze or, or whatever while they're balancing something on their finger. And it just like the their life melts away because if they don't focus on this one thing, then it's going to fall off their finger or they, they're going to, you know, like they don't focus on that one thing right in front of them. It, they're, gonna, they're not going to be successful at it. And so it's a way that you can have people leave out the outside noise and I think uh, the idea of juggling is is a really cool one as well because obviously there's there's those other bigger benefits uh, evidently and and I suppose the the advantage of learning a new skill and and we we've spoken about before previously with Craig about the advantage of doing things you're not good at you know like everyone innately always does things that they're good at and you know without challenging yourself in in a mental or physical way uh, it's a, it's another huge benefit yeah yeah you can introduce people to like a flow a flow state where there's the right degree of challenge you can also juggle and not pay attention at all once you're used to it or handstand and be chatting and thinking about your groceries it's it's like getting to the edge of your skill capacity and people just being aware of that okay yeah i'm overloaded this is beyond what i'm capable of and like how do i deal with that this is right where it's like i can pretty much do it and it feels really good or this is where it's like kind of boring and i can think about something else you know, all, all that stuff is, is good stuff. And yeah, it's not everybody. It doesn't need to be part of every program. I've never really tried to sell it as like everybody needs to do this. For me personally, it was a huge thing. I tried to do it when I was younger and I couldn't do it. It was like a mental block. And so I got rid of that mental block, um, you know, uh, when I was like 23. It was when I was backpacking Guatemala, actually. And it was with lemons out the back of the, the bar. And I, I'd been kind of breaking down limiting beliefs while I was backpacking and like, you know, just kind of rewilding myself after the domestication of mainstream schooling. And, you know, I, I taught myself to juggle and then I taught it to a bunch of the kids at this orphanage that I stayed at there. And, and then it sort of, that was the symbol of, of the juggling for me was kind of like rediscovering freedom and, and just being able to do, um, yeah, just taking on things that I'd been convinced that I wasn't going to be good at. You know, language was one of them as well. I became fluent in Spanish, you know, on that trip. And como, como va tu español? Yeah, we all have those things. Como va tu español? Muy bien. Muy bien. Y mío también. Ahora, Yo tengo mi, mi esposa de, de Argentina. Yeah, I can hear the accent. <laughs> Very cool. Sorry, yeah. sorry, everyone there who doesn't speak Spanish. But uh, there's another thing I was planning to ask you about: the time you spent in uh, in in Central America and South America, uh, because yeah, I was going to ask you how how that was how that played a role as well, and you know, yeah. learning a language is another difficult thing. Yeah, I think just it's a, along that same theme is you know going going to new new uh environments and, and challenging situations you got a really good accent as well by the way uh, a lot of people don't try and take on the accent when they learn a language it's probably the biggest mistake you can make like go as hard as you can with the accent and the expressions yeah. and then people will actually talk back to you in that language and they'll respect you you know I just i learned on the streets i played rugby in argentina for a couple of years okay very and, cool uh, just learned on the streets and uh yeah yeah was the was the random gringo playing in the uh in the argentinian rugby uh rugby tournaments and stuff like that and getting picked yeah. on and getting yellow carded and going like what what did i get yellow carded for <laughs> you know all that sort of fun stuff yeah 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 those experiences are priceless I, I i really encourage people to immerse themselves in other cultures and other languages like it's just you you learn you actually become someone else when you speak in a different language and and you experience yourself in a in a different way and you know, that, that's, it's a deep thought, but we do have, you know, different selves, you know, the self that shows up to a podcast is different to the self that is down there playing with the children or, you know, when you change languages, you really do change selves. And if you, you know, be, between like, I, I lived in, um, you know, in France as well, Catalans and, and yeah, you, f you feel like you're a different person when you go between French and then Spanish and then, um, English. And it's, uh, 
it's a it's a cool it's a, it's a powerful experience and the more of these experiences that we have the the bigger the frame of reference we have to deal with the, the challenges of life and and the possibilities for things that we can create like i i, I um i'm a huge proponent of of putting yourself in these challenging situations and and taking on you know new patterns of thinking and and uh new ideas and and uh, that's you know why I, I love the ATG stuff, but it, it's like I'm still looking for other ideas and other ways and where it's missing things. And like, that's the, the fun of life, I guess, is to continue to take on those things. And now living in Montenegro, like I'm learning a bunch of, you know, Serbian, Montenegrin. Um, and it's, it's great. You know, like that's, that's the best stuff in life, I think. You know? um, so, yeah, we should all continue to, uh, to put ourselves in those situations where we're challenged for new, new vocabulary, new ways of being. Beautiful. Love it. Yeah, growth and play and all that sort of stuff. Like it's interesting. It, 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 it dovetails in quite well to other recent episodes we've had, Trav, where we've talked about all this holistic stuff and, you know, the importance of how that helps you to recover. Um, and how that sort of nourishes the soul and the spirit and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's cool to hear. So as we sort of sign off today, most of our audience are trainers and, and um, you know, 90, 90% of them, 99% of them probably are personal trainers and strength coaches and that sort of stuff. If people want to find out more about either yourself, about eight, I know you're predominantly, or you're all ATG now. I don't, you're not uh, the, the real movement anymore as such. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't have real movement anymore. Yeah. So all ATG. So what, uh, what would be the best ways uh, for people to, to reach out, get in touch, learn more, study, uh, all that sort of good stuff? Yeah, probably uh, Instagram is, is probably the, the way uh, ATG mentor. Uh, I also have a new program called Uncommon Success, which kind of brings some of the other side of real movement with, with the skill development and uh, it's, it's a bit broader education than the ATG stuff. So uncommon success is, uh, it's only a hundred bucks a year. So it's like the cheapest program that I've run. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. We've been doing it maybe the last, uh, six weeks or so. And, uh, so that's, that's a nice entry level if the kind of philosophy resonates, but if you're wanting to just really deeply understand the strength system and, and probably the big play for coaches is to understand that. ATG has gone from unknown to the most influential strength program in the world in two years, and it's not slowing down. Uh, and the new ATG app is going to showcase the trainers. So it's finally like, there's finally going to be a place for people to be able to find a coach that they can trust. And it's not to say that there aren't a million great coaches out there in the world. Cause there are, there's just no way for the consumer to know whether they're getting a dud or whether they're getting someone who's really good other than referral or their own experience of having a bunch of crap trainers and, and going to, to crappy gyms. So, you know, ATG gyms are, are going to be, you know, opening. I think there's three or four already, you know, I fully expect like it's, it's going to be a much smaller buy-in than, than F45 um, similar sort of buy-in that, that, that it was for CrossFit. And it's it's a more universal system than CrossFit. You know, you look at how viral CrossFit went, but it wasn't really for everybody. It wasn't for most people, in fact. Um, so I, I do think over the next couple of years, you're going to see like tens of thousands of ATG gyms and you're going to see people um, using the ATG app um, to find a coach. And coaches can actually have their own programs on the, on the app as well. So um, if, you're, if you're sort of... Uh, business inclined and you uh you get what i'm talking about then there's definitely going to be a lot of careers made uh, in this process and, and we're not going to pile the gyms on top of each other like crossfit did as well so you can imagine if if crossfit hadn't have done that how much money you know gyms would have made if they didn't you know let someone leave the gym and, and open up around the corner yeah it was like one of the coaches would leave and and so you just divide the business in two every time it gets to a decent size that's not going to happen with with atg gyms so um, if this stuff is making sense and you can see like, yeah, this, this could have the mass adoption that, uh, you know, that it is having, you know, Joe Rogan shouted out a bunch of times and, and there's, you know, he's, if Ben had already, if Ben doesn't tell the world, the athletes that he's actually training, like he's, he's trained a lot of the highest profile uh, American athletes. If, if that was public, it would already be, you know, 10 X what it, what it is, but the app is is kind of the big the big piece. His custom app and it's, it's better than any of the training apps that are out there. So you'll have a better training app as well as be advertised within it. So it's 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 pretty interesting. It's it's going to be 
it's going to be an exciting uh, sort of couple of years ahead. And, you know, Ben's books are going bestsellers on Amazon and he's got, you know, he's got more books coming. And so if you were looking for it to be part of a reputable brand in strength and athletic development, like it seems as though there's finally something that's going to go mainstream. There are a lot of great brands out there, but nothing's actually been able to go mainstream other than sort of CrossFit and F45 type type of deal. But this is you know, something different. So. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely smashed the uh, the YouTube algorithm and just, you know, just blew up. And, and I mean, the the ability to create the content and just constantly be doing it and just, you know, it's yeah, it's amazing. It really is he's, uh, yeah. amazing. He's a phenomenal human, and it carries across to like it's 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 challenged me and it's made me you know a better person and a better business person. Uh, but I see a lot of the other ATG coaches as well because we have a chat there with him. We have a chat group on Telegram and he's in there every day, you know, talking to the ATG coaches. Like, what program do you know that's like that? You know, we've got hundreds of coaches around the world. He's got, you know, tens of thousands of clients himself. Uh, he he really loves what he's doing. It's not a business. It's like a, it's a, a life mission. And uh, I see the other coaches like taking on, uh, looking looking at their own role in the world and their own their own life, their own business in a different way. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's very early days at the moment, and um, yeah, I, I, hopefully, I've just given a little bit of a peek of like what what this might look like in the next couple of years uh, for for those coaches who who get it and uh, you know want to participate. Get in early, so uh, that eight. So best way is look ATG, ATG mentor atgforcoaches.com if they if if you want to sort of join the program it's a hundred dollars a month so we, you know we've also priced it like we didn't price it at five ten thousand dollars like the poliquin stuff was yeah um you get the programs you get the you know there's the daily kind of support chat where people will post in whenever they get uh, issues with anything you get the deeper dive explanation of of sort of how the system works and why it works uh, you get access to f- live events as well so they did one in sacramento there's another one coming up in florida which i hope to go to uh, in april so they're sort of coaches only there's 100 coaches going to the to the florida one um ben's you know putting putting that on so that that sort of those sort of opportunities are only there for the coaches in the community and would definitely love to have uh, events in Australia and, you know, everyone's waiting on, on being able to travel more freely, but even without that, we're, we're looking for regional leaders as well to be able to, you know, continue regardless of what goes on with, with the world. So that's, that's happening as well. So yeah, there should be something in Australia in, in 2022, whether it's myself and Ben or uh, other guys who've been in the community and know the stuff well um, yeah. leading that. That'd be awesome. All right, mate. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for, for a bit of time of your morning. Um, if you've enjoyed it, guys, go to Instagram, go on the website there. Uh, everything will be in the show notes as well. Uh, Keegan and Craig, thanks for, for being part of another episode here of Bro Science. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening. If you liked this show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your fitness business, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au. Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans? Check out Mealsy, the ultimate solution for creating custom meal plans in just a few simple clicks. With Mealsy, you can say goodbye to countless hours spent on meal planning. Our Australian meal planning web app is designed to save you time and effort so you can focus on what really matters, your clients and their success. Mealsy provides you with a vast library of recipes all created by nutrition professionals. From breakfast to dinner and everything in between, we've got you covered. Whether you want to create a custom meal plan tailored to your client's needs or choose from our selection of ready-made meal plans, Mealsy has the flexibility to accommodate your preferences. So why waste precious time and energy creating meal plans from scratch? Let Mealsy do the heavy lifting for you while you focus on delivering exceptional fitness services. Join the community of fitness professionals who have revolutionized their business with Mealsy. Visit our website at www.mealsy.com and sign up today. Mealsy, the smarter way to meal plan for fitness professionals.